0: everyone and welcome back to the wellness podcast. This is episode number 86. My name is Slater and I'm here with Adam and Caitlin. What's up? Hello.
1: Hello Adam. <laughs> Adam's I'm very excited hot, to be dude. here.
0: Adam was I like got no
2: mustache. I feel like <laughs>
1: <laughs> <The> a new man. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Oh so my gosh. I don't want to just jump right into things, but let's jump right into things it is with I your sat your siding your saddings your sightings. <laughs> uh they definitely are
2: saddings it's been a horrible week of wind and wind is not fun we've been successful on like most of our trips but the last trip on wednesday um yesterday it was uh it was it was brutal no whales that was the first time in 5 months we haven't found whales but it was just chunky as a turkey out there and it was not fun
0: not good dude bummer. not good yeah. guess what guess what though you got good news ahead why because i'm gonna come up to hang out
1: with
0: me <laughs> I'm Monterey for like four days i think
1: <laughs> oh man well that's a bummer but you know weather happens it's part it of the happens.
2: job it is part of the job just whales being whales they were moving around they were not where we thought that actually we had a report of two and then like we finally got to the area where like we thought they would be and nowhere to be seen that's they probably just moved out a little dude. well it's just tough like with what with wind and stuff like you can't go where you want to go white caps versus like whale spout yeah when it's rough
1: it's hard to see them
0: it's tough yeah um Caitlin, how about you? What's the East Coast doing right
1: now? We had a pretty good stretch of weather until today. And then today it was very windy and rainy. Although it did rain almost every single day in July, which was a little gnarly. I was a little confused. Um, But we have had humpback whales and we've had a few sightings of Atlantic white-sided dolphins. We have had some minke whales. And a fin whale the other day. So pretty good overall. We had... Um, a pretty cute encounter with a mom calf humpback whale is Jabberu and her calf. And at the end of the encounter, Jabberu like draped her pectoral flipper over the back of the calf and like gave it a little hug, which was pretty darn cute. Adam cried. And um, going to cry right now. Yeah. So it's been pretty good. Um, the whales haven't been too far away. So we've been going live on Instagram. Nice. On Cape nice. Ann Whale Watch.
2: Taking a page out of Slatermore Photography's book. Um, I forgot that I saw some cool stuff, actually.
0: Oh, did you, Adam?
2: <laughs> yeah, I did.
0: What did you see? I saw what you saw, actually.
2: Well, on Instagram. The, the the thing I'm more excited about is actually we saw a big pot of short beak common dolphins.
1: Oh, nice. was the
2: first time this year. And my theory is that short beaks, for whatever reason, means blue whales so i'm hoping some blue adam's very adam.
1: unofficial unscientific theory is incorrect blue whales are coming <laughs> well, well dude, but, last, but year, wind, last year wind to whales adam yeah,
0: but they don't eat krill so what, what's your what's your I know. theory on this? i
2: don't i have no clue but all i know is that last year well, actually i do have a clue Last year we had long beak common dolphins and there was humpbacks around the long beaks dipped for four months and the short beaks showed up and the blue whales around for five months straight. When the, when the five long beaks started. Yeah, dude. Easy.
1: Remember he was freaking out every day. Oh my God. And more then, blue whales. Oh my God. More blue whales.
2: And then <laughs> long beaks long be started showing up at the end of the year in like November and the humpbacks started showing up again too. And the blue whales dipped. And I don't know why I don't think I've ever seen a pot of short beaks feeding with a humpback whale, but I have never seen it.
0: No, they're too spastic, dude. I always see, you always see them way offshore.
2: Yeah, that's my It's just like, it's weird. This is the first time we've seen short beaks all year. And
0: I, I got, a, I got a feeling. I think when you do see comments with tuna, it's usually short beaks that are with tuna. I just don't know why. They're
1: just though. as chaotic as the tuna. <laughs>
0: Why, why, yeah, dude, the tuna are going to be. I've already probably passed there to be honest.
2: Um, and we saw some dumb, leucistic dolphin or something. I don't know. Dumb, he did, dude, everybody's,
1: he's, he's everybody's just he's just mad that at, that dolphin patches. Well, there's,
0: good, there's good reason yeah. because he's well known and he's been seen Same. all the way down in Mexico and all the way up here to Santa Barbara. I don't know how far though, he didn't seem pretty far.
1: I think I Santa Barbara is the north end.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. We've only, we've only seen him here twice. But, like, everybody was messaging me. They're
2: like, oh, my God, you're, like, stealing our dolphin? Like, what the heck? And I'm like, um. Also. He's free to it's do It's a wild animal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have so, zero control.
2: Yeah, but it was cool. It's cool. I, that was my first time
0: seeing him, so it was a good encounter. I love Patches, cool. dude. I've never of, seen
1: Patches. That's cool.
0: Remember, I got him breaching off the Ocean Explorer, and I was like,
1: oh, my God, I'm going to be
0: famous. <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen like, a picture that they breaching oh, i've seen picture pictures
1: breaches. of it probably slater's pictures to be honest before he and i were friends
0: i don't know if i have any pictures of breaching more but maybe on my facebook way back I, I he came up in my uh you know like what you saw six years ago
1: Your or memories
0: whatever. yeah
2: um thanks for the memories even though they weren't so great <laughs> no. anyway
1: so if you want to see what's going on When I'm out on the ocean, you can follow Kate Van Whale Watch on Facebook and Instagram. We alternate going live on there. And it's usually me running the live stream. If you want to know what's going on in Monterey, if you aren't following already, Slater goes live when he's out on his boat and within cell range.
0: And And he's been getting some
1: good stuff out there.
0: I've had preaching on my live videos. I've had lunch feeding a lot on my live videos. I've had Adam yelling at me because he doesn't know if he should use a cell phone or a camera. He, like, <laughs> forgets all brain cells. Um, <laughs> I've had lots of action on the live streams. Yeah. It's, been, it's been good. I, you know, I had a great week off the water. My boat was in the shipyard getting a radar, and it took way longer than it should have. And that was fun. But guess what?
1: It's day, done. It's ready. Get,
0: it's ready. And yesterday, well, yesterday I went out for the first day back. And radar works, I could see all the boats on the bay. And then I saw Aurora and Fluke Skywalker, the calf, and the mom was feeding. And she has been doing this thing where every time she feeds, she likes to lunge or she likes to do a chin slap, one or two chin slaps after every like sequence. So every dive sequence, whether she lunge feeds at the surface or she like feeds down below, Excuse me. She likes to do a couple chin slaps. Isn't that weird?
1: That is very weird. Maybe that's helping her digest.
0: I don't know, dude. But I'm not kidding. This is. It happened five days ago, and then it happened two days ago. And like, and every time I've seen her, she's been doing that. Maybe that's. Maybe she
1: caught a bigger fish on accident and chin slapping to get it down her throat.
0: That's that's why her calf is all cracked out all the time. Maybe, dude. Think about that. Maybe she's got jellyfish
1: stuck in her throat.
0: Maybe she ate a leatherback sea turtle.
1: I don't think so. Those are pretty big.
2: Just to make sure that Caitlin couldn't see it.
0: That's messed up. But guess what? Anyways, long story short, there's tons of whales in the Monterey Bay. Um, I do think that we, I wouldn't say there's still been lunch feeding, I think, every day really since it started. There has been a lunch, like, you know, one sort, one surface lunch at least in like everyone's trip, it seems like. And today, even though the weather was supposed to be really bad, some of the boats went out and they had lunch feeding in the afternoon. So I'm really hoping that tomorrow morning I go out there and there's going to be a big old group of sea lions hanging out with, I'll give them three or four whales. It's (laughs) You don't know. I don't want any more or any less though. And then we get some lunching. Listen to you trying to on Sunday conduct wildlife, lunch feeding. Then we're going to have breaching. And then we're probably going to run out and see a blue whale and then on sunday and monday the killer whales um Emma's pod's coming around i talked to her she'll be around for just a little bit we can probably meet her out at like socal um, sick
1: oh you talked to her already
0: yeah yeah, yeah sure we yeah. <laughs> do i that. mean dude we didn't even get a sighting in july so everything i've been telling everybody's a lie one to two sightings a month is a lie yeah although I think so someone good. said they saw them but like nobody was out or something so it's possible do you think they could have gone in the bay and not uh, no one saw them?
1: Yeah. How? Yeah. Hundo oh. P. Hundo
0: all right, P. so Caitlin did all sorts of science today. She told us in a text message, and she read like 50 articles, and now she's going to school us on it all.
1: Like five, maybe six, but yeah. Anyways. Oh, we do have a host update. Uh, we have, I'm not good at math, but I think 18 spots left. For Whale Nerds Weekend. So thank you to all of you that have signed up already. Um, And if you are interested in learning about the trip, you can check out our website, thewhalenerds.com. And uh, I will be updating a little bit more of the trip info. I was looking at it today. And so there should be some updates on there shortly. And also thank you to everybody that's signing up for our email list. We will be sending you an email blast here soon. And yeah. So now we're going to talk about bottlenose dolphins. Or as I like to call them, Tersi Pops. Oh, wait, can I
0: say something since we're gonna talk pops. about them? Yes. On our way to the harbor, we found bottlenose dolphins the other day, and then they met up with Rizzos right in front of Monterey Harbor. Did they Itchins? fight? They fought
1: to the death. Really?
0: <laughs> no, but they were playing around and the bottlenose were doing those like high leaps, you know, where they like throw their back up like Seaworld nice. style. Nice, nice. Yeah, so I've cool. seen that one time. So what like, and doing like
1: some weird, yeah, weird mixing around, some jumping. Yeah, it jump was, yeah,
2: yeah. I just saw okay. it the other day,
0: actually, too. Bottlenose and Rizzos?
1: hmm You kind
0: of sized size me up, bro? Yeah. How, how many were in your pod?
2: <laughs> <laughs> At least like. There was legit like Rizzas. two Bottlenose, I think. And then there was like a dozen Rizzos. No, there's like 100 Rizzos and like 20 bottlenose, so kind of was better than yours. And wow, that's people. a pretty big group. It was a very big group of Rizzos.
0: I was like, what's going Adam on? Has one but also a big pencils. group of bottlenose. Adam has one of those like magic it's pens when he writes his sightings. Out. Oh, no, I had Offshores. Oh, we had Coastal. I don't,
2: their way. I don't mess around with yeah. those Coastals, all right? Offshores yeah, it's because
1: like, they don't like you.
0: No, it's because Coastals are lame. Oh, wow. Really They're really cool in my book. I've seen them. There's some pretty nifty behaviors uh, inside the shoreline.
1: They're just very particular about who they spend time with, and it's clearly not you.
2: Really? Because last time I saw coastals, Coastal Slater, they were all over me.
1: Whatever. Anyways, okay. So, Tercy Ops, Tercy Pops, whatever. Bottlenose Dolphins. So, this first article that we're going to talk about briefly um, is actually a follow-up to something we talked about, I think, last year. So uh, the Bottlenose Dolphin Research Institute off the northern coast of Spain uh, actually documented bottlenose dolphins attacking and even killing common dolphins. And uh, we talked about it during an episode and then they actually, this uh, research group actually made a paper out of it so um, you can now find the paper. Let me pull it up here. And, uh, it's on, the original paper is on Springer and it's called Spatial Segregation and Intraspecific Killing of Common Dolphins, Delphinus delphis by Bottlenose Dolphins, Tursiops truncatus. And so this is all, um, Sited off the northwest of Spain or the northwest coast of Spain I should say and my google docs just froze let me pull it up on the screen you
2: know you might call them tertiary pops i call them the assholes of the dolphin world
1: wow this is a family podcast is it though it is
2: dude they're so mean
1: they are mean they're very like- mean and <laughs> maybe maybe also slightly inappropriate
2: very inappropriate <laughs>
1: <laughs> and here's why okay so uh there were the two species were only sighted in the same area at the same time five times over their five year study period three of the five times that they were in the same location there were interactions of displacement of the common dolphins by the bottlenose dolphins so hmm. More than half the time, the bottlenose dolphins were like, Get out of here, man. We don't like you. Then one interaction got cray cray. They got video of it. They posted it on their Facebook page. I remember that. And the bottlenose dolphin beat the common dolphin to death. Honestly, it kind of looked like how killer whales hunt. Like, there was lots of bubbling. There was like jumping and drowning. And it was gnarly. Um, Males, females, and calves were all involved in the harassment of the common dolphin during the interaction where the common dolphin died. Um, but calves. then, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, so like, was this a teachable moment? Was this a family affair? I don't really know. But then this is kind of the gnarly part that maybe this is not a family podcast for. Uh, the males were seen attempting to copulate with the common dolphin corpse after they killed it.
0: Dude, people aren't ready for nature, bro. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> they really aren't. And they they're suggested
1: not, that this was maybe d- driven by continued aggression and, like, assertion of dominance post-mortem. Wow. So that's a little gnarly.
2: That's super gnarly.
1: Bottlenose dolphins, dude. They're cray-cray. Uh, they really are. People keep it's telling me. It's because they're so
0: them. smart. People keep DMing me. They're like, I want to come out but I want to come out for killer whales. And I'm like, you think you like killer whales, but you might not. Like, <laughs> you might like, dude, people come on the boat and they literally want to leave. And I'm like, yeah, it's not that fun.
1: Yeah. when you Especially when you see him kill a gray whale and then half the boat's crying and half the boat's like, this is the best moment of my life.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> you're like, this is group and therapy. One, other,
0: one person is like, we need to go home now. This is not fair. And it's like, or what? they're like, can
1: you do something to stop it? And you're like, no. Yeah, what are we these do? animals Ponser, this is Ponser what they eat on the yeah but also like this is what the killer whale eats we're not going to stop it from doing what it's supposed to be doing
0: yeah they i think they deal with that drama a lot up in the pacific northwest with the harbor seals
1: yeah i mean harbor seals are so dang cute too as part of the problem i mean gray whale calves are cute too i mean that's pretty sad especially just, if the mom gets upset
2: it's crazy man
1: okay so that's first paper um, and again, as always, I will post the links to all these papers on our Facebook page in the comment section when I put up the post about this episode. Hmm. Okay, so the next paper is in Royal Society Publishing. It's called Evidence that bottlenose dolphins can communicate with vocal signals to, pr- to solve a cooperative task. And the premise of this paper was it's an experiment conducted at Dolphin Research Center in Florida, um, which I believe is in Sarasota. Correct me if I'm wrong. Let me let's Google it real quick before I say the wrong thing, because it might be in one of the Keys. Dolphin Research Keys, 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 Keys Center. On Van it's in Grassy Key. Van okay. okay, Grassy Key, Florida. That's where we're at here. Okay, so these animals are captive animals. And I do believe that all of the animals in this study were born at Dolphin Research Center. So they, so we're talking about a little bit different than in the wild, but potentially translates pretty smoothly across to behaviors in the wild. Um, The dolphins were paired. It was a male pair and a female pair. And they were tasked with pressing a button within one second of each other. So if they both press the button within one second of each other, they got a reward sound and then they got a food reinforced positive reinforcement. So, um, the button was put in different parts of the pen across a lagoon area from wherever the dolphins were released as the starting point. And then the starting points over time, as the dolphins like learn the behaviors, the starting point was randomized and they were also released from their starting point at different times. So, like one dolphin would get released, then the next one would get released, and then they both had to go to the button and push it within one second of each other. Dang. And their button pressing accuracy was more successful if they whistled to each other right before they pushed the button. So, they didn't do this every time, but they were more accurate when they did talk to each other before they pushed the button. So this is um, showing that they do have some sort of ability to cooperate with each other and communicate with each other vocally um, because they moved the, they moved the button around and they like tried to separate them, the targets far enough from each other that the dolphins couldn't actually see each other.
2: Okay.
1: So interesting stuff. Um, there is still some work being done on dolphins in captivity that potentially could inform information about how dolphins work together as a pod in the wild. But you always have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because a captive setting is not the same as the wild. Um, but pretty interesting and uh, yeah, kind of that just...
2: doesn't that doesn't take away from the fact that they're clearly communicating.
1: Yeah, and they're definitely smart. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, the next two papers. Um, I, when I originally got them, I thought that they were full access, but they're actually abstract only, but the abstract I think is informative enough that it's kind of interesting. So the first one is in integrative zoology. It's called sexual maturity, seasonal estrus and gestation in female Indo-Pacific bottlenose dolphins, which is Tursiops aduncus, infirmed inferred from serum reproductive hormones. So, um, the reason why I thought this one was interesting is because like, we always kind of assume there's like seasonality in dolphin breeding. Right. But like, don't, nobody really has great data for it in the wild, at least in most cases. So this is from a ocean park that's in Hong Kong. And basically they did like, uh, serum testing of the blood of their dolphins. And they found that on average, their dolphins started puberty at about age five and became sexually mature at about age six. And that there was a slight peak in breeding uh, from February to October. So like summer ish, Mm -hmm. which if that's a holdover from like wild populations, that kind of makes sense, right? Like that's when the food's abundant. So then that's when you're going to be like, yeah, I'm ready to make a baby
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that's kind of mm-hmm. i thought that was interesting
2: it is it's it's funny like you know you'll constantly see calves throughout the year i think yeah but there definitely seems to be like a sort of season it's like same thing with commons like we'll, we'll always see calves throughout the group but then like in the summertime you see like these big nursery pods where like every female has a calf with her
0: Also, because we're on the water more in this peak summer, though, too, so. I mean, I guess so.
1: And it could have to do with inshore and offshore movements of different groups, too. But, like, my theory is, like, if it's nine months to make a baby dolphin, right, then, like, with Rizzo's, you should see peak calving if they're getting pregnant in July. So, you're looking at August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, March, April, you see lots of calves. I don't know if that's true. But,
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we always see them like year round, right? Great yeah. season. There's always nursery pods going by. Common mm-hmm. dolphins. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a, we had a nursery pod of Rizzo's just like I don't know a couple of days
1: ago. Mm-hmm. So, but something to think about. That's something that I've always kind of wondered, especially with um, yeah, especially with yeah. animals like Rizzo's dolphins, where you have like a big squid boom. And then, you know, like, do you have a baby boom after that? Same thing with killer whales. Like, you have a huge killer whale season. So 18 months later, do you have a big baby boom? Because all those killer whales, one, were in the same place at the same time. And two, had a lot of good stuff to eat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. It, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> I literally was like, I had something today, and I just, like, it just, I hope. Disappeared. Brain- it just goes crazy you. down.
1: Um, okay, so this next paper is also abstract only, but I love the title of it. Um, this is in Marine Mammal Science, and it's called Lords of the Rings, Mud Ring Feeding by Bottlenose Dolphins in a Caribbean Estuary Revealed from Sea, Air, and Space. Oh. Um, yeah. What? Super cool.
2: I was I was watching an episode of The Hunt the other day.
1: That's what show it's on. The,
2: it's so cool good i completely forgot about that sequence but like the way they filmed it was so good and like the so that's the story i'm so pretty
1: good. sure that's this group of dolphins so they, they feed is. cooperatively using mud rings so one dolphin oh, yeah. goes and kicks with its tail along the the bottom and makes a mud ring around the mullet and then all the other dolphins wait outside of the mud ring for the mullet to jump over the mud out of the water and they catch them i'm sure you've seen it, Slater. Who out
0: oh, a-, a thousand times? Who taught
1: them, dude? I don't know. They figured it out. They're the crafting.
0: <laughs> oh, they're like, we're gonna make fake, like, like, cause what the bullet probably thinks is like, oh, we're in really shallow water. We gotta like jump, right? Cause the mud's all around them, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, they jump out, and then boom, they're like, they caught up by the dolphin. Yep. Yeah, I wish we could. I wish we could go there and film that with a drone. I'm sure it's super illegal, but it would be amazing. They got some so, awesome drone footage of it. Yeah.
1: Then, also, there's another group of dolphins. So, that's in Florida Bay that do the mud ring. Then there's this other group a little bit further south in the Florida Keys that do this mud plume thing that's only, like, a half circle. And same thing. One dolphin makes the mud plume. And then, like, the other dolphins wait on the open end of the circle, I think. And then they all lunge in at the mullet. So they like build a wall and then they attack from the other side. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So smart. Yeah. Really underappreciated, honestly. Smarter than me.
0: It's because it was. How how accessible, (laughs) how accessible is it to get there?
1: I mean, it's in Florida.
0: You just take one of those boats with like a big fan on the back. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you might not even have to do that. I don't know how shallow. I mean, it's probably pretty shallow water. I guess maybe you do need an airboat. That might be better. Like water up to Just floor wait floor. out there. <laughs> <laughs> Get me my water shoes. Let's go. <laughs> um. So yes, yeah, so I think that's pretty cool. I would be interested to actually ask them for access to the full paper because I want to know like what the satellite method was, but I'm sure that those disturbances in the water can be you can just, seen from space you can see them
2: from space, yeah for yeah
1: sure. so
2: and there's i can't remember which it might still be the hunt one but i think our planet had a sequence on it too in coastal seas or something um and you can see just like the little spirals from space oh yeah, yeah
1: i think it is in our planet i think i just watched that not that long ago Dude. you see that in the notes i was like was in a recent documentary question mark
0: even, yeah, a, so, even a, a solo of dolphin can do it yeah yeah but i think i think it's more efficient like in a group yeah for yep. sure but a solo i think that's even cooler that one of them can do it by himself
1: yep yep yeah. there's also bottlenose dolphins i don't know in this if it's in this florida area as well or if it's a different place in the world but uh, they will chase the fish up onto the shore and halfway strand to yep. grab the Same. fish and Same. then Same. like go back out. Same. Crazy,
2: Same so bears. innovative, so cool. Well, it's, it's it's funny. It's like there's certain populations you you know that like use the environment and the opportunity to to make a meal out of it. It's like the killer whales down in in Chile. Patagonia, or, yeah, Patagonia. Sorry. Um, That you know beats themselves for those seal pups and it's like only one family that does it. And I think I don't know if it's only one family of bottlenose that does it, but pretty incredible.
1: I mean, it's two different areas. I would think that it's probably different groups. Yes. I mean, bottlenose do have a fairly significant range, but I do think it's two different groups. Mm -hmm. Potentially more than that as well. Okay, so this next one is kind of uh, interesting. So this is a news article that came out on nola.com and it's a it's about a Louisiana government researcher who says she was fired for raising the alarm about dolphin deaths. So she was hired by uh, the Department of Fish Wildlife and Fisheries and her job was she was the marine mammal stranding coordinator. This is Mandy Tumlin and she worked for the agency for quite a long time like she watched the outfall of the uh, horizon oil spill and all that in the Gulf. And in two thousand and nineteen she was fired, and it's she says it's because that year she raised the alarm about a project that was causing an, a very large number of dolphin deaths in their area. And it's kind of like maybe a cover up type deal. yeah. So what happened? was uh, that year 337 dolphins were found on the beaches of the gulf coast and only nine were successfully refloated so Mm -hmm. like 320 something dolphins not even 318 dolphins died in one year alone um and that's like an abnormally high number of dolphins more than 150 of those were found in or near the mississippi river and a significant number of those dolphins that stranded had these things called freshwater lesions on their skin so what's a freshwater lesion well i'll tell you so it's uh they're like ulcers and they're like these patches of ulcers but also thick skin and it's like this really, it kind of looks like they're burned. Like if you look at pictures of them, it looks like they got burned. And it happens when they have prolonged exposure to low salinity water. So um, there's another paper that I will put in the Facebook comments. It's like a bonus about this uh, phenomenon. And because their skin is very damaged, it makes them more susceptible to infections and parasites when they're suffering from freshwater lesions.
2: Yeah,
1: that doesn't look so, good. Right? The pictures are gnarly. <clears throat> so in 2019, the bonnet I think it's Carey. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't speak French. If you're from Louisiana, I'm sorry. Um, anyways, this spillway was open for 18, 118 days, allowing large amounts of river water to discharge into the Mississippi Sound, which is also Barataria Bay. Also, sorry if I said that wrong. Um, And this is actually part of a sediment diversion project, which is meant to rebuild the wetlands with river sediment. So, like, in principle, a good idea. In practice, it's not going well. Uh -uh. So, the Marine Mammal Commission got involved. They made a report that came out saying that the sediment diversion project would have immediate and permanent adverse effects on the local bottlenose population in Barataria Bay. Also, what the heck is the Marine Mammal Commission? The Marine Mammal Commission is an independent agency of the U.S. government formed to provide oversight of marine mammal conservation policies and programs being carried out out by the federal regulatory agencies. So it's an oversight group.
2: It's like the Marine Mammal Protection Act as a group. Yes. Wow.
1: Yes. So basically there's an investigation underway about this lady's termination and um there was like a series of depositions that happened and colleagues of hers were called up to like testify and uh there is some there's some concern that this uh, phenomenon of this freshwater issue with the bottlenose dolphins could actually result in a functional extinction of the dolphin populations in Barataria Bay, and uh, wow, yeah, wild, crazy. So is this going to like a
0: Netflix documentary? Dude, well, I don't know. Well- production. We got to do some research. <laughs> so then
1: another person went on uh, to testify about this, following up on the Marine Mammal Commission report. And he said that not only is the dolphin population being impacted, but they're also seeing negative impacts on oysters, blue crabs and shrimp in the area. And uh, he says the marine these animals cannot just swim away by the time they realize that things are bad. They're already really sick and they die. Um, and then he points out that dolphins have a very strong affinity for an area where they live and they're unlikely to move away when their env- environment becomes inhospitable. It's like asking the people of Louisiana to move their entire life every time there's a hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. So, who knew? Not me. And we're talking about uh, a population of around 2,000 dolphins. Mm -hmm. So, 2,000 dolphins in one year, we're looking at 337 strandings. Like, that's 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 pretty significant.
0: Wow. It's like amazing how much cetacean news can be out there and we just like can't get it all and like yeah but it might not even make a big news thing you know what i mean it could just be like a, a local monterey channel or like a local louisiana channel or look you know what i mean like it's yeah. huge 328 dead dolphins almost. yeah where the have you guys heard of this before this
1: no no nope. hey, where the heck do you find this stuff dude i spent a lot of time on the internet and it's a little bit sad
0: you just Google whales.com, <laughs>
1: dude? <laughs> Honestly, I get a lot of it from Cetal Fauna, the Society for Marine Mammology, And then, like, when I'm looking at something, I sometimes go into this, like, rabbit hole of other papers. And then I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, wait, but then they cite this paper, and this is interesting. And then I look up, and it's been, like, three hours. And I'm like, What's Caitlin, the other? you need to get a life. What's the other you, Facebook
0: group? You? It's not Cetal Fauna. There was another one that had a lot of drama in it.
1: Oh, <laughs> Do you really want to say it on air? What is it? West Coast Whale Geeks?
0: Oh yeah, that one always had drama and I left that one a <laughs> long time ago. I don't West I mean it was Whale Geeks. Are you in that one, Adam? No, I've never heard of it. Oh, it was it, it was it's like there's a lot of good information there but there was just like sometimes there were some keyboard warriors in there telling people that they like I don't know.
1: I don't know. I don't even know if is it still a thing, I don't know. Anyways, moving on
0: do you really want to
1: also i I will say to the credit of Cetal fauna there's been kind of like a new routine where like every night there's like a bunch of papers posted by different moderators of Cetal fauna from around the world and it's like super super helpful for me to do this for the podcast thanks so thank you Cetal Cetal fauna moderators thank you (laughs) i like Um, cedar fauna
0: it's good yeah But it's international news. It's international information too.
1: Yep. Yep, exactly. So this last paper is in Frontiers in Marine Science. Frontiers in Marine Science, the marine megafauna section. And it is spatial and temporal effects of whale watching on a tourism-naive resident population of bottlenose dolphins in the Humboldt Penguin National Reserve in Chile.
2: Humboldt Penguin.
1: This paper took me a long time to say, go through. Also to say, there's a lot going on here. So there were two study sites over two time periods, and they sort of tried to compare the two to each other. So the two study sites is... Punto de Choros and Yaral de Acituno. I don't know if I said that right. Also, someone from this area follows me on Instagram. So if I say it wrong, just message me, bro. Um, yeah, also, right. there's a lot of unrest going on in Punto de Choros. So um, if you're interested in that, definitely look it up. There's a lot of things going on there, protests and environmental stuff. And yeah. <clears throat> so Right now, the status of tourist vessels is uh, Punto de Soros is more, has more tourist vessels operating there doing dolphin and whale watching than Chanyaral. So then there's two timeframes. The original time frame was from 1989 to 1990. It was mostly a shore-based monitoring program from the island that looks at both sites. It was a single group of dolphins that was observed across the two locations, they think, and the average group size during their observation periods was about 40 to 45 individual dolphins. They, Since it was shore-based, they had an average observation time of 130 to 235 minutes, so a couple hours at a time. And in the afternoon, they noted that they cited more surface behaviors during this original study period. So then now we fast forward to the second timeframe. It's 2011 to 2020. So quite a long frame of years, but it's all vessel-based. Very small. Yeah. And it's all vessel-based monitoring on whale watch boats departing from both sites. Um, So their observations for whale watch uh, timeframe is They saw multiple small groups of dolphins, typically one to five groups per trip with an average of eight individuals. Their average encounter time was 16 minutes. The morning observations uh, documented more surface behaviors. And out of all the documented instantaneous responses to the whale watch vessels in the second timeframe study, 51% of the time they were avoiding the vessels, 30% of the time they had no response to the vessels, 13, almost 14% of the time they attempted to bow ride the vessels, and less than 5% of the time they approached the boat. If you want to break that time frame down a little more specifically, in the afternoon sightings of Punto de Choros, where there's more boats... Their avoidance behaviors increased to 63%, and their approach to vessels decreased to less than 1%. Mm. In the other location, the San Juan uh, their instantaneous responses throughout the day was about 45% of the time they had no response to the boats. Then 20, almost 26% of the time after that, they actually approached the boat to bow ride, and then there was uh, the next percentage down from that was avoiding, and the next. Down from that was just an approach to the vessel. So in Puerto de Choros, the morning they see about four vessels out every day, and six out in the afternoon. But in Chanyral, there's only one vessel in the morning usually, and only two in the afternoon. It's a lot. There's a lot to go through. Yes, Slater.
0: The, yes. the thing is, is that's kind of how I feel about in our coastal bottomless dolphins. It's like I think they have the opportunity to be by boats all the time. So they're not as interested as like the offshore bottlenose. Offshore bottlenose, boom, they come over. Common dolphins, yeah. boom, they come over. I do think they have a lot of opportunities with boats. You know, they do every day, right? But mm-hmm. I think that coastal bottom have it more, like, especially when they're near harbors, right? Yeah. And they're also with like surfers and like, especially in Southern California. So I think that's why they're not like always coming over to the boat. Sometimes they come in the harbor and they go way up the Newport Harbor. Yeah. Um, and they'll even bow right in there.
1: Yeah. You know, but I don't but think the, it's not all yeah. the time. Yeah. So I think the it's numbers,
2: like, the numbers on the study though, are interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: So, but then it left me with quite a few questions. So my first question was: Are there whale watch guidelines in these places in Chile? And um actually, where I found that is on the International Whaling Commission's website, they have an international handbook for whale watch best practices and regulations all around the world. And so I will add the link to the Chile guidelines in our uh, Facebook post about the episode. And so there's been whale watch guidelines in place since 2011. And to be perfectly honest, they look almost identical to any of the infographics you see Pacific Whale Foundation put out. And I think that might be related, Um, but they're basically very similar to the U.S. You need to be 100 yards away or 100 meters away from any whale 50 yards or 50 meters from a dolphin, approach parallel, don't cut them off, don't sneak up behind them, uh, slow your vessel as you approach. And then for Chilean blue whales, you actually need to be 300 meters away. So just kind of a side note. Um, Yeah. And then, so then my question was, so what's the level of compliance with these regulations and guidelines? And I don't have an answer to that, but I feel like that's something that maybe it would help inform some of the information they gathered in these two places. Is like, yeah, there's more boats, but also like, what's the compliance level with the guidelines. Um, and then my other questions about their data collection effort was how much of the encounter time that they had with the dolphins was actually influenced by the vessel, by the vessel's schedule and the passenger's experience. Cause like, you could track a pod of bottlenose dolphins for hours, potentially. But if you're on a schedule or your people are bored, you're not going to stay with them. Or if something more exciting is happening in another place, you're not going to stay with the dolphins. Yeah. So that did might they
2: say it was it was one pod is that, is that for the first study, though.
1: For the first study that was shore based, it was primarily one cohesive pod and they would see them from shore for hours. But if you're on a whale watch vessel, if you're at the mercy of a whale watch vessel schedule, your average encounter time is based on what the boat's plan for the day is. It's did not based judge? on your study effort.
0: True. So did they judge these avoidances and um, the dolphins coming over to bow ride based from the shore?
1: No, no. The observers the were on the whale example. watch boat. Oh, Okay. There was some shore-based observations as well. I I couldn't quite, I mean, I didn't, like, go through with a fine tooth comb on this paper, but, like, I didn't quite understand how they correlated the the shore-based and the vessel-based data, but...
2: Yeah, I think it was just, like...
1: I feel like that short encounter time has to do a lot with the fact that you were on a whale watch boat. You weren't on a dedicated research boat that could follow the animals for hours at a time. So
0: So, do you think it was avoidance, or do you think it was... I mean, they, they have not do what they were doing. Yeah.
1: No, because there was the no interest category as well. So oh,
0: okay.
1: like, I feel like a good rule of thumb is if an animal turns away from you twice, that's avoidance. But if the animal just continues to do what it was doing before you arrived, then that's the no interest category. I like that. So um, and then. My other question was, is there, was there a photo ID effort that went with this study? Like, can they match like that original group of 40 to 45 dolphins to the dolphins they're seeing now? Cause like dolphins live long enough that they could be some of the same individuals. Yeah. So if that's the case, then did something happen to their population dynamic between the two study exactly. periods? Cause it was like one cohesive group and now it's like a bunch of little groups Like, was there some sort of pod fission as age, older dolphins aged out and died? Was there some sort of big oceanographic event that caused a big disturbance? Uh, An example of that is the spotted dolphins that are studied by Denise Herzing in the Bahamas. After a big hurricane, like a lot of the uh, population dynamics shifted and the dolphins like physically were displaced from a place they normally were for years. So, like, did something like that happen?
2: Or like something happened with like people and dolphins.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of like the tact that this paper took at the end in their conclusion was saying that like this increase in tourism is leading to. um, Could potentially be leading to the all these drastic changes in the bottom nose dolphin groups, but I feel like you have to ask all those other questions as well. I'm not saying that that's not true because I'm not there. I don't know. I haven't been there for the study period. Uh, but I just had some, dolphins. yeah, we should just go there and ask the dolphins.
0: <laughs> What's up? Are you, are you guys pissed at us or what? It's tough to get a hold of them. You guys have tried.
1: Yeah. They don't really talk on the phone. Only shell phones.
0: Slater,
2: you have to hit the right frequency. It's. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and so basically the results of their studies, their conclusion says suggest that whale watch vessels produce short-term changes in surface behavior. Um, Nevertheless, it's necessary to study whether the changes in the rate of surface events are associated with greater stress and whether whale watch activity should out ha- could have long term implications such as health, energy, budget, reproduction and dynamics of the resident pod of bottlenose dolphins, um, which could be addressed by the application of the PCOD approach. I actually don't know what that is. That yeah. I
0: guess to. if you're looking at the same it's- pod in the same area every day, it could probably be annoying. Right. But it's mm-hmm. like. When we're whale watching, we're most likely not seeing the same whale or dolphins every single time. Um, It kind of
1: depends on the place, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess we've been seeing Aurora and her calf every day for like the last four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's like that that calf use I I mean Adam's even seen it It just turns right to the boat comes over so it's like
1: yeah yeah and this is saying that maybe the dolphin shifted from Punta de Choros to the other location because of the high traffic of tourism vessels. But well, I don't know, it's even, like, it's such the a big...
2: Between the, the differences between the two locations is just interesting. Like, I under, I would understand if there's one location with a bunch of boats that are going out, like, yeah, the dolphins aren't going to be as inclined to interact. But like, if there's yeah. a different location where it's like, okay, there's not as many boats, like, especially if they're all fighting for like the same dolphin or whatever, like, I could see how that could impact their behavior.
1: Well, yeah, that's what this paper is saying. So the busier boat yeah. place, so, there's like, less... It, it, Yeah. Makes sense. There's more avoidance.
0: Like, I was seeing it more as, like, are they just not as curious now, though, too, right? Like, they were probably more curious when it's just, like, one boat coming through. But Mm -hmm. if it's the same boat every single day in the same, you know. There's, like, oh, whatever. (laughs) It's, like, okay, we don't care, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So.
0: um, Interesting
1: stuff. Interesting stuff to think about, for sure. I definitely would want to know a little bit more about long-term study of the group as individuals and like if there was anything else that happened between these two study periods. But also like what how good is the compliance and whale watch etiquette? And you know, there wasn't really a lot of information explaining some of the uh the average encounter times and things like that because of the fact that they're on a whale watch schedule. So maybe, maybe that is explained because they have the shore base to go with the vessel base, but I wasn't blatantly obvious to me when I was going through the paper but doesn't mean it's not there again I'll post paper interesting. you can go look at it if you want make your own opinions this is just my version after reading this
2: I think it's super interesting how much information we have on bottom of those dolphin like I I really do think they're probably the most studied cetacean just because we've had yeah. that activity for so long maybe that. yeah I mean the most, they but like
1: uh, yeah, out of all the cetaceans, they are the most common and do the best, quote-unquote, in captivity. Yes. But they're also very commonly distributed throughout the world, and they're also very accessible close to shore. Yep. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're one of the easiest study subjects in the cetacean and world, I would they, argue.
0: They are the reason we know a lot about cetaceans, too.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Yep.
0: Um, You know positively and sadly right because they're in captivity yep. but yeah. yeah totally um there was a little news thing that I hit monterey the other day what's up the southern resident killer whales were extended oh, yeah. down to monterey Duh. that's in our um
1: it's in our topics bank
0: but yeah oh sorry,
1: sorry. no it's okay good spoiler because it's a current event um yeah so the what's it called so the critical habitat yeah. Was reassessed and new information was put out by NOAA and NIMS in regards to Southern Resident Killer Rails. So now it extends into Big Sur. Yep. Nice. Crazy, dude. I feel like you're going to see him in California more as time goes on.
0: It's like, I'd be down. Yeah. Especially with, uh, I'd be down, but I don't want people to mistake, like, the transient to residents down here, and try to make it like you know. Some crazy yeah, it's stuff. true. I mean, it adds
1: a whole nother level of complication for wildlife viewing in California. Like you really, the the boat crews are really gonna have to be on their A game with IDs and stuff. Yeah. So, because the not rules kinda, are different. Not,
0: that, I mean, everybody here is extremely capable of. Yeah. Spotting those, Oh yeah. Those killer whales. Well, when for you sure. see a freaking pot of 30 roll by, it's like... The thing is, is before it was like, yeah, exactly. But it, it's either that or they're offshore, so... Offshore, yeah, for sure. And judging by the yeah. time of the year, offshore usually show up in the winter, like December or something. Yeah,
1: December so. to February is most most of the sightings.
0: Yeah, but then so. we saw the resis on March
2: 31st.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, so. so they're not... They wouldn't be, like, the same time zone, really. I
1: mean, potentially, sure, though. Kind of sure depends. It's not that far off. Yeah. And off-stores have open saddles, too, so it's kind yeah, of a it, tricky one. It is tough. But yeah.
0: There's great catalogs for them.
1: Yeah, there are. And new catalogs for them.
0: Yeah. Well, hey,
2: I learned a lot about Bono's Dolphin today.
1: Yeah. And I feel like this is honestly mostly just, like, new papers within the last six months. So like, there's a whole nother level of cool stuff going on with bottlenose dolphins around the world, like dolphins that use sponges as tools, dolphins that actively fish with fishermen. Um, There's all kinds of cool stuff going on with them. This is just like recent papers that have come out.
2: Who's smarter, a killer whale or a bottlenose dolphin?
1: Who's more ruthless, a killer whale or a bottlenose dolphin? (laughs) That's
2: very true. They're very similar. Oh, actually, I mean, I would probably consider a killer whale because killer whales actively hunt.
1: I mean, that's true. Who would win in a fight? The killer whale. Killer
2: whales, for
1: sure. Look at the viral footage from Mexico earlier this oh year.
0: Gosh, so crazy. Yeah. Patches would win.
1: Mm-hmm. Patches would win. Just secretly a heavyweight champion. Adam's there. a
0: hater on Patches, dude. That was <laughs> messed up. It only took you, uh, how many years? How patches. old are you to see him? Took you like 20, 22 years to see him? 23. It is what it is. Don't judge me. I try my best. I thought he was 18. Well, what's our I secret whale it. of the week? Indo uh, specific bottlenose.
1: Indo Pacific bottlenose. Specific. Specific. Indo specific.
0: Indo specific. <laughs> <Indo-indo-serific. laughs> thank you right. guys so much for listening to the podcast, Caitlin. Thank you so much for being a boss and always <laughs> writing up some episodes that are me? way above my knowledge. Thank bank. you
1: for shaving your mustache.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, Adam. Good um and thank you thank you thank you to our patreon supporters um we really appreciate you all your contributions are what make this podcast possible and if you don't yeah, follow you for,
0: us oops sorry i'll say thank you for another month of continued support since yes, like august
1: yes thank you and if you don't follow us on social media, it's at Whale Nerds. Or if you want to check out our website and look up more information about our trip, other projects we're doing, uh, join our email list. It's all on the whalenerds.com. Thewhalenerds.com. So thanks everyone.
0: Thanks, folks.
1: Thank you. Bye.